strange, isn't it? The silence, it's not... not quite right. Okay, that's more like it. This is radio silence. The calm before the storm. That quiet moment as you step out into the outside world. Come with me. Let's talk. These days, it seems unusual to stop and listen all at the same time. Much like now, we're always going through the motions. Walking home, going places, chasing the finish line for an important deadline. You name it, really. I'm out here keeping you company, but where are you right now? I'm imagining a desk somewhere, with sheets of paper all over the place. Or maybe you are walking down the road, sitting on a bus? No, it's alright. Keep me guessing. It is so much more fun that way. The point here is, the way we listen has changed. And it is changing, constantly. Radio broadcasting as we know it has been around for over a century and who was first to take the leap is still up for debate. Some argue that it all began in 1906, on the night of Christmas Eve. Professor Reginald Fessenden has coordinated the first programme of music and voice ever transmitted over long distances, which more or less defines the average listening experience, even now. Other evidence points to more controlled environments, to reports and inventions that contributed to what listening is now. In reality, the winner of this grand race changes with every time radio broadcasting is redefined, and perhaps the question should not be who came first, but rather, who will come last? I mean, after all, when you're going somewhere, you take a step forward, not backwards, right? We are contributing to this movement too. After all, I am here talking to you, and you're listening to me. I know that out there, somewhere, there will always be someone listening in. Streaming media has become increasingly popular over the last decade. Global Music Report of 2019 states that in the last 10 years, global industry revenue from streaming has escalated from 300 million to a staggering 8.9 billion US dollars. I mean, it's crazy. Just those numbers alone make you think that a lot more people are choosing to listen and pay for it. Podcasting as it exists now means that no matter how niche, everything becomes a topic worth putting out there. Think of a hobby or a show you have seen in your Netflix recommended tab. Someone out there might be talking about it right now, but don't worry, you're not missing out. The beauty of the format lies in being able to pause Reflect and rewind. It's almost like sitting on a bench and letting your legs rest as the world keeps on going around you. Of course, all of this is possible because of the audience. The more people are talking about your next big thing, the more of them are likely to listen. Listening brings engagement, and that is what makes it so encouraging to just keep on going. 
back when radio broadcasting first became possible. It allowed this one-of-a-kind, one-too-many relationship. Just one voice could suddenly reach many others, all at the same time. This hypodermic needle model dominated the industry, especially through public service broadcasting. Suddenly, a select few had a way to talk to the void, and the masses had only two choices, to listen or not to listen. For a while, it worked as this two-step flow. A company would put out their show, and the public would listen. That's step one. Step two happened as people connected with their real-life social circles and continued talking about what they heard. You can almost see it happen as you reach forward with your arms, the movement going from the main connection in your elbow down to the palm of your hand, where it meets multiple digits. They can function independently, but the flow happens only with subsequence. And so, similarly, companies were able to reach larger audiences simply by making their output exciting enough to talk about. This changed somewhat with the birth of the internet. Over the last two decades, the World Wide Web has become exactly that a web of connections between institutions and audiences, between people and, well, people. The Internet Mapping Project attempted to portray it in 1998, with each node colour-coded to signify a different service provider. Cheswick and Birch quickly realised that there were just too many links to make it make sense on one page. To use their own words, the early results looked like a peacock smashed into a windshield, and that is just what they called the topology of the centre of the internet. Even during those first runs, you could see lines that would cut halfway across the images, straying away from their roots. This is relevant, I promise. You see, those connections are not exactly made. They kind of happen as the internet grows. Every new page has the potential to be a new platform, and every new platform acts as a foothold. It lets you step up and see the bigger picture. The internet made podcasting possible. It acts as a universal ground for content. If you can find it, you can most likely put something like it out there. This goes beyond being a part of the audience. If becoming actively involved in your choice of content is dipping your toes in, then think about it. Creating it is diving headfirst into uncharted waters. Clay Shirky, a social media theorist, has described this phenomenon as prosuming, shorthand for the simultaneous reaction of producing and consuming. All of this is kind of astounding, if you think about it. Podcasting and streaming are only getting started. As a consumer, you are still able to act, you get to decide what plays when. You get to curate your own personal soundtrack for the day. You pause, reflect and rewind as you please. The time shift is up to you. You are the one in control, or so you'd think. The fatal flaw behind these accessible platforms is that they attempt to make the user experience as effortless as possible. Once an episode is done, more often than not a similar one might play automatically, queued up by the algorithm. 
Platforms like Spotify provide you with multiple daily mixes based on the links between the things you are listening to. And yes, that includes podcast episodes now too. It is almost like your very own radio station with an exclusive request show, right? You choose the schedule if you want to. What remains unsaid is, every time you go along with an algorithm, it is likely that your horizons will turn into walls, narrowing into an echo chamber. That means that the void will always bring you back more of the same in a thousand different ways. In those terms, traditional radio broadcasting is safe. As the name suggests, the horizons stay broad. As the future stands now, it still remains the end game for a lot of people like me. People who want to make this work long term. The trouble is, you're not listening to the radio right now. You chose not to. I wonder, do you find it boring? Repetitive? Does it not appeal to you? I know podcasts are a reliable alternative for the listener, but I'll be honest, I'm not so sure if they are a reliable future. It's almost scary to think that you could launch yourself into an entire project like this, want to make your career, pour your heart and soul into it, only to find out that it might not be enough. I mean, you're here, right? Still here. And listening? Thank you.